Thank you all for coming today because we have the privilege to experience our young ones present a Christmas play. If you're familiar with the Charlie Brown Christmas, it's great. It hits right to the message of Christmas. But what we're going to see in the play, there's something that we too get caught up in. There's some things in the Charlie Brown, the Peanuts series. uh, It's really funny. They have a way of dealing with real human issues that we all deal with in a really comical way. And many of you are familiar with Charlie Brown, but um, some of the greatest insights I love, a couple of my favorite quotes from Charlie Brown, is when Charlie Brown says, just remember, once you're over the hill, you begin to really pick up speed from there. Um, When Lucy says, I never made a mistake in my life, I thought I did once, but I was wrong. When Snoopy said, dear IRS, please remove me from your mailing list. I wish I could do that. Charlie Brown says, there must be millions of people all over the world who never get any love letters. I could be their leader. (laughs) Good stuff. The last one is this. Wouldn't it be nice if our lives were like VCRs, where we could just fast forward through the crummy times? So Charlie Brown, there's a great way of taking the real human condition and the stuff that we stress about or the things that we deal with and present it in just really kind of a comical truth. Um, In the Christmas play, what we're going to see it lead up to is what is Christmas about anyway? Because the reality is, many of us here may celebrate Christmas, but we also get caught up in aspects of Christmas. We get caught up in things. Like, for some of us, Christmas is about the stress of hanging up all the Christmas lights. I think I have a picture of me putting up Christmas lights. My wife took a picture of me when I was hanging up the Christmas lights. That's me right there. I I was saying help, and she said, hold on. Really, that's really not me, but um, it was some poor neighbor across the street. No. Um, but for some, the stress is putting up Christmas lights and, and picking out a tree and going through all that. Maybe it's all the decorations. It's all the stress of Christmas for some people. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's the shopping, uh, fighting with the parking at the mall or standing in lines, which is a whole other deal about Christmas. For some, it's like the Christmas card. You've got to make the right Christmas card. And then you've got to make sure you send it to everyone. Don't miss anyone. Some, it's making traveling plans because you're going to visit family. Some, it's a lot of work, stress, and maybe not a lot of joy. But the thing is, we can be in the season and not remember the reason for the season, especially if you've been doing Christmas for a while. We can get into the pattern of Christmas. And today, the play is going to show us the reason for the season really, really clearly. And what I wanted to share with you this morning, uh, we teach through the Bible, and we're looking at a passage in Matthew, and I believe this is in your bulletin. But we are going to be looking at the very first Christmas, And we're looking at the wise men who actually understood the reason for the season really, really well. And my prayer is that when we look at this today, we will also understand the reason for the season even better. Now, the wise men, they're pretty amazing. They were wise enough to truly recognize and understand what this was all about. And just a little setup on these wise men real quick. Uh, The wise men from what we know, the Bible doesn't speak a lot about them, but from history, there's a lot that we can put together. The term is magi. Um, The magi were well-educated guys, and they were from Babylon or Persia. That's where they were from. And a couple of things that we can put together about what they say and what they do in their journey, we can put a couple of pieces together. And there was a time back in the Babylonian Persian Empire where the Jewish people were living among them, and the Jewish faith had a big influence at one period of time. Daniel was actually an advisor to the king of Babylon, so Babylon had influence from Israel. There was a scripture that said, there shall come a star out of Jacob, and it shall rise out of Israel. That means the wise scholars knew, especially these guys who were astronomers, that someday there is going to be a star, and they knew the meaning of the star. 
If they looked a little further, there were other prophecies like in Daniel that actually said the exact time when the star was going to come. Amazing. They knew there is going to be a time when Israel's king is going to be born. And when that happens, there's going to be a star. There's going to be a symbol. A lot of other folks were missing that, but the wise men were looking. They were looking to the skies. And sure enough, they would have been familiar, and they saw this star. And once they saw this star, they went on an incredible journey. And that's where you come in this morning. I would like you to put yourself in the same position as these wise men. Consider yourself the third, fourth, or fifth wise man traveling with them. Why? Because they went on a journey of faith. They saw a sign, and they went through a lot of difficulty, packing up things, going on a long, tedious journey to follow through in faith on what they believed they would find on the other side. And our life is a lot like that. Our life is a journey of faith. Faith, we don't know for sure, but we believe what God tells us and what God shows us. And he gives us some indicators along the way to reveal to us this is the path we should be on. Everyone in this room ought to be on a journey in faith with the living God. Now, some of you are further down the road. Maybe some of you are contemplating it. Maybe some of you are in the middle of it, and you're looking for a sign of where to go next. What I'm hoping we get out of this passage today is when we realize how the Magi were led by God, how God gave them signs, how they interpreted the signs along the way, they did really well on their journey of faith. My prayer is that you and I will do well on our journey of faith when we look at the way they did it. By the way, they did this journey with very little information, and that's kind of what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. You can't prove it, but you know it. You sense God telling it to you or showing it to you or revealing it in some way, and you go on a journey of faith, and you follow through, and then God begins to show you more clarity along the way. Let's look at this in sections, if we could. Matthew chapter 2, and there's a place, if you're a note taker, to take some notes on how you can have some steps on your journey of faith that will help give you clarity along the way. Starts out like this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So it starts out here with this cool star appearing. And I love how God is always on the move. God is always calling people out. You know that? The nature of God has always been to call people out into relationship, not to religion, to relationship. He's been doing it forever. He's doing it today. He's doing it now this morning. He's calling people out. But some people don't get any of the signs. Some people don't get the wake-up call. Some people don't recognize that God Almighty, the living God who loves them and wants to be in relationship with them, they don't realize that he's actually calling them. Well, these guys get a sign. Their first one was an external one. It was a star in the sky. And they recognize saying, you know what? That's his star. We get it. We don't need to know more right now. We know that is his star and we're going to start acting on our journey of faith. It's interesting in life, it takes so many things for some people to start their journey of faith. There's some people, they'll see a sign, they'll, they'll explain it away. God will try to get their attention, and they'll just make an excuse for it, or they'll just say, yeah, well, it's probably coincidence. And, and there's other people that'll go, you know what, I think God's trying to get my attention here, and I think he has my attention. I think I'm going to start my journey of faith, but others will explain it away, and they'll just make excuses for it. In fact, if you're one of the kind of people, we all tend to do this a little bit, where we, in our mind, we start explaining things away, we start rationalizing the faith. 
explaining it away. If that's your uh, mode, if you tend to do that, all the sermons are on our website. There's a great one called When the Mind Gets in the Way. And you can go to our website and download it because we all tend to do that when our own mind gets in the way of explaining things away and missing out on what God has for us. Well, these guys didn't do that. They saw the sign. We get it. We're going. We're on a journey of faith. We're going to go forward with this one. And so the first thing I think that we need to come to terms with if you're a note taker this morning is we got to recognize God's direction from external signs. God does put some signs out there. He does put some indicators. He does put some circumstances. Will you recognize them or not? There were a lot of other folks who saw that star and didn't know what to do with it and ignored it. But these guys saw the star and said, you know what? God's behind this thing, and we're actually going on a long journey of faith. We don't know what we're up against, but we're packing those camels, and we're going to go a long way because we're going to follow through. They're making a journey of faith. So you've got to recognize God's direction from external signs. And then we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but this says that the wise men went to Jerusalem. Interesting. So the star appears. They see it out where Jesus is born. They go on their way, but they don't know it's actually Bethlehem. They go to Jerusalem, but we know Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Interesting. So they go to King Herod. They go to King Herod. He's the local reigning king, and out of respect, they say we're here to find the newborn king of Israel. And uh, they say, and I love this, they say we saw his star. We're astronomers. We know stars. This one belongs to him. And Herod is flipping out on this one. Herod does not want any other king. And Herod himself doesn't have a star. And this newborn king has a star. And he has serious issue with this. And so they're over Jerusalem. They're asking the king. We know it's around here somewhere, but we don't know exactly where. So they ask King Herod, can you tell us where Israel's king, the Messiah, is supposed to be born? So he turns around and he resorts to his counselors. And let's move on. It goes to verse 3 and it says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ, which means Messiah, was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go, quote unquote, worship him. So it says Herod was disturbed and he was disturbed in more way than one. Um, We know things about him historically, just from history. And this guy uh, eliminated anybody in his way, even his own family members. He was very phobic about this thing, and so he was very concerned. But their question is, the Magi, the wise men, is where it happened, and Herod is saying, I want to know when you saw the star. And the interesting thing about that is, Herod knew that the day that the Christ child was born is the day the star appeared, and he's trying to do the math on how old is this Christ child. Pretty interesting. And by the way, this goes to tell us that the Christ child is already born. Now, for some of you, this is really going to mess up your nativity set at home. Okay? I'm not here to mess up your nativity scene, okay? but when you think of your nativity scene and you got the babe in the manger and everything like that, and you got the shepherds, that's all, that's exactly the way it went down. 
the wise men likely were not there on that night. Sorry, I know that messes it up theologically for a lot of folks, but it did for me the first time I heard it. I'm like, no, I've got to return it to Costco now. Um, but, but the reality is they did come later, and Herod's dealing with this right now. Can you tell me exactly when? When did you see the star? And so uh, the Magi are asking where he's supposed to be born. The religious leaders verified from prophecy because they knew their Torah quite well, and they looked at the scripture that said, The new Messiah in the line of David, the king of Israel, will come, and when he does, it will be Bethlehem. So they verify from Scripture where uh, the Messiah is going to be born. And their answer, listen to this, they're on a journey of faith. They didn't know where to go anymore. They started out with a sign, with a star, and they got to a point where they didn't know where to go anymore. Where did their answer come from? It came from the Word of God. It came from Scripture. All scripture is spirit breathed. The word is real. It's living. I mean, there's some today that have made the sad mistake of diminishing this to a, a bunch of allegories or stories. Let me tell you something. This is the most ancient, accurate document on the planet. There's 66 books, 40 authors written over three different continents, all pointing to God's will for his people and the way we relate to the living God. There is so much life in here. There's so much direction in here, but so many folks miss out on the direction in the Bible. And so the wise men come, we followed a sign, now we don't know where to go on our journey of faith. Their answer comes from the word of God. And I would suggest to you, some of you have questions in your life right now. You've got questions. You don't really know what's next on the journey. I want to encourage you, the answers are in the word of God. The word of God is rich. It's loaded with answers. It's loaded with direction. And there's so many that miss out on the direction. It's right in the book. It's right in the book. And so um, the second point this morning, if you are a note taker regarding your journey of faith, point number two is to recognize God's direction through God's word, through God's word. Some of it's through external signs. Some of it's right here. And I tell you what, if you only go off of external signs and you miss out on this, you're going to miss out on a truckload of direction because there is mountains of direction right here. And uh, the Bible even says of itself that God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. In other words, he's given us a roadmap. That's why it's called B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what this is. And some are like, what? What do you do? What do you do with it? It's like, no, this is your roadmap. And some are like, no, I'm cool. I'll do it on my own. It's like, no, man, use the roadmap. God's given you one. He loves you. He gave you a map. He gave you direction. So recognize God's direction through God's word. It moves on in verse 9, and it says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So these wise men, they got directions from Jerusalem, and then they continued on their journey. And it says, uh, basically, what I love about this is, first they get an external sign, they see a star. They start to follow their journey of faith by a star. Then they don't know where to go anymore. They get their next revelation by the word of God. Scripture tells them where to go, gives them direction. Beautiful. Your life and mine, the same thing applies. Then it says, the star appeared again and led them to Bethlehem. And they were overjoyed. They're like, 
The star had gone away for a while, it seems, or they couldn't see it, or it was cloudy. I don't know what the deal was, but the reality is the star showed up again, and they were overjoyed. They're like, thank you, God, for giving us another sign. I'll just tell you, the second sign came after the Word of God. So if you're not in this Word, you know, a lot of people want to navigate life without the Word of God, and I'm just telling you, it's a reckless way to do it. Um, And in this case right here, uh, they followed the sign. They followed what was told to them out of Scripture And I would suggest this to you. This is an important point this morning. If you expect God to give you a second sign, if you haven't obeyed the first sign, he probably won't do it. Uh, These guys obeyed the first sign, and then God gave them another sign. And I think that's the nature of God. It's like you've got to be faithful with little things. And sometimes we're like, no, we don't want that sign. We want a different one. It's like, no, that's your sign. That's your sign. And so these guys interpreted the signs quite well on their journey of faith. My prayer is that we do the same thing. They show up to the house. Again, it says house, not a manger scene anymore. And again, some of you, you're mad at me because your, your whole manger scene's messed up at this point. But they show up at a house, beautiful scene. They finally see the newborn king, King Jesus. And they pay honor and tribute. And I love how they do it. And this is important because this speaks to the miracle of Christmas. They come and see the Christ child in the manger. And it says they bowed down and worshiped him. The Greek word is proskinu. It really means getting on their knees and falling on their face. It's not like coming to see a kid who is a prophet. Good job, parents. High five. Nice to meet you. It's not that. It's not just to meet a teacher or a miracle worker. He's all those things but more. They came to meet the king of all kings. There's something about the dimension of this Christ child that transcends any other human on the planet they have a recognition that he deserves worship. Now, a lot hinges on this, guys, and here's the miracle of Christmas, because if he's a teacher and a miracle worker and and all these other great things, phenomenal. But we don't need to stop and take a day out of the year and change our whole world to celebrate that kind of birth. But if he's the son of God who came to earth, that's a whole other story. These guys got down and they worshipped him, but the Bible says, I'm the Lord your God, worship no other gods. You can't worship anyone else but God. And the point is this, he is truly God the Son. God sent his only Son. There's the reality of Christmas. The DNA of the Father is in the Son, and he is the Christ child. You've heard of Jehovah the Father. This is Jehovah the Son, and he, he deserved worship. He was worthy of this kind of praise, because no one else in history that we know of could do what he did, say what he said, forgive sins, calm the seas, raise the dead, and receive worship. That's a whole other thing to receive worship. Only God can receive worship. So that is enormous. That's the miracle of Christmas, and that is the magnitude of Messiah. Some people don't understand the magnitude of Messiah. They go, well, he was a healer and a teacher, and uh, yeah, he was a good man. Yeah, that's like the first part. (laughs) That's only a little bit. You're missing out on the whole thing. He was God's son in flesh. In fact, the Bible uses the term Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. It doesn't mean God's servant. It doesn't mean God's chosen prophet. It doesn't mean that. It means God with us. So God with us was born in flesh in a manger, rocked the world. In fact, our entire calendar system has been changed ever since this date because the world changed. This night, when this happened, these guys recognize that. So the third point this morning is that it's to recognize the magnitude of Messiah. 
Some don't recognize the magnitude of Messiah. When you do, you celebrate Christmas differently. The reason for the season is clear, but you've got to recognize the magnitude of Messiah. And I love this. I love how they responded. Now, they come a long way on a long journey in faith, bringing gifts, and they presented their gifts. Now, three gifts, that's why we assume three kings. The Bible doesn't say there's three of them. There's another thing about your manger scene you're going to be mad at me at. It doesn't say there's going to be three. But there's three gifts, so we assume there's probably three kings. And the three gifts they bring reflect the nature of who Christ is. Gold is a gift fit for a king. Very common. Everyone understood that. Great. And they laid it down to King Jesus' feet. And I bet Mary's like, wow, that's amazing. The next one they bring is incense to worship God. Another, wow, that's beautiful. This is like a sacrifice to God. That's that's amazing. And Jesus is worthy of that. That's great. But the next one was myrrh. And myrrh was to actually be a sacrifice. And I'm sure that's one that Mary couldn't reconcile too well. What do you mean, be a sacrifice? That's not a mother's plan for a child, to be a sacrifice. And yet, this was the sacrifice because Jesus came with a mission, and his mission was to be a sacrifice. No one took his life. He freely gave it up. He said that from the beginning. I came to lay my life down. No one can take it from me. And so he came with the culmination. The babe in the manger didn't stay a babe in the manger. He grew up to be the savior of the world, really to give his life for a ransom for many. Because the one issue that blocks our relationship with the living God is this ugly three-letter word called sin, and nothing on planet Earth or the universe can take it away except for his sacrifice. So we all come to this crossroads at some point in this journey of faith where you go, okay, I got to get past the, the forgiveness issue. Is there any way over or around it? Is there any way I can skirt it? Can I do more good stuff than bad stuff? Will that work? Wrong answer. There's nothing that gets us past the forgiveness thing except for the sacrifice of Jesus. So along that journey of faith, you come to at some point what he did at the cross, and you go, I'll take that price you paid for me. Thank you. I'll believe in faith, and I'm going to continue on a journey. Or some try to walk around it or dodge it or skirt it, and they go on a completely different journey. And so I just want to encourage you, the babe in the manger didn't stay the babe in the manger. He came to pay a price for all of us, and that's another profound aspect of the Christmas story The last thing is this. It says, after they bowed and worshiped him and did this, God gave them even more revelation. Listen to this. More revelation for their journey of faith. He gave them, he warned them in a dream. So they started with a star, and then they went to ask counsel, and they got their counsel from the word of God. And then God gave them another sign, which was fantastic. And at this point, God speaks to them through a dream and says, don't go back to Herod. Go back a different route. That's important because on your journey and mine, That's another indicator, guys. The fourth point is this this morning. Recognize God's direction from internal signs, from God leading you. Um, The Bible says that God does lead us. He leads by his Holy Spirit. He wants to lead and to guide and to comfort and to counsel. He does that from the inside out. God wants to guide you from the inside out. That's another aspect. And it takes developing a sensitivity to what God's trying to show you on the inside to guide you and me. So important because on your journey of faith, we got to tune our ears. God, what are you trying to say and show me? Well, these guys are in a place where God showed them something, in this case through a dream. So recognize God's direction from internal signs whenever God speaks. And so on your journey of faith, guys, and mine, that's my prayer. My prayer is that we will interpret signs along the way. We will recognize what God's trying to do because some folks get stuck in a circle on their journey. They kind of just keep going round and round instead of making the progress. 
God says this to his people. He says, I know the plans I have for you. They are not to harm you. They're to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. He also says, I know the things I've established for you. Before one of your days came into being, God had a plan for you. He put things in you that he wants to come out of you. That's his design. But some just kind of stay in a little circle when there's really a whole journey of faith. And it really, at some point, comes to Jesus where you go, all right, I'm ready to do business. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to really get in on the full life. Jesus called it the abundant life. And uh, my experience is that's when it started. For me, I wasn't raised a believer. Uh, I wasn't a Christian. But it came to a point at some point where I had come to terms with Jesus, what he did, and you either accept it or reject it. And I said, you know what? I I believe it. And my journey of faith turned on end in a good way. Life had clarity and direction and purpose and a joy that I cannot create, but God can give it to you. And so on the journey of faith, guys, here's here's the deal. That's what it starts. I'm going to close in prayer. Mighty God, I thank you for the story here of the wise men, and I thank you for their journey of faith. And I know everyone in the room, Lord, is on a different aspect of their journey of faith. My prayer this morning is that we would understand that wise men still seek you and that you are amazing and you have a hope and a future. And some of us make the mistake of of thinking that if we start to surrender to your will, that you're going to do something we don't want you to do. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. Life begins in you and with you. Uh, The journey is your design, God. So I just want to pray for everyone in the room, Lord. People have a different background, and everyone's got a different uh, pre-understanding of this. But Lord, I just pray, if any today are saying, yeah, Jesus, I I understand the magnitude of this. It's clear to me. And uh, I haven't actually, I can't point back to a day in life where I asked you to take away all my sins too. I pray today would be the day, and we would get in on the miracle of Christmas. So would every head bowed and eye closed, Lord, you're stirring on heart. You say, I stand at the door of your heart, and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. And I just pray that today's the day. Today is the day. And so if you're here today and everyone's got their head bowed and eyes closed, if you're saying, Lord Jesus, I want my Christmas to be, I want it to be different. I want to get in on the journey that I've never really fully started or I need to get restarted again with you. If that's you, everyone's head bowed, just raise your hand. I just want to agree with you in prayer this morning. If anyone needs a fresh start, amen, the Lord sees your hands. Anybody else? Yes. The Lord wants to give fresh starts. Let's just ask that right now. Lord God, seal in the hearts of those who reach out to you. They want a fresh start in Christ Jesus, the Son, the Messiah, but even more than Messiah, because you give life. You say, behold, I make all things new. And so, Lord, the prayer that they can just say in the privacy of their own heart is, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Take mine away. I want to turn and follow you. Put your spirit in me and lead me in truth on this journey of faith. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen.